0: Monday edition of the pod, actually going to release this one a little bit early before the games tonight, since a lot of our news might be obsolete by the time those games are over what we're going to do today is talk about our top shooting guards we go very deep on that although it gets very difficult to rank after the top five or so but i think it's a really interesting exercise when you think about how much some of these guys are paid who really makes a difference at the shooting guard position and i think that these rankings are extremely useful so you could say hey you know what if this guy is only the 20th best shooting guard in the league is it really worth it to pay him this much we're sponsored today by indochino use that cap space code to take advantage of their massive sale to get a made-to-measure suit from just $329.00. Danny, good morning.
1: Good morning. I, I think a good place to start with this is actually just to clarify how we're defining this because the positions at this point can be nebulous and especially starting with the starting with a middle position like the two guard. You know, it's not you're not on the ends like point guard or center. So one of the we spent like twenty minutes earlier today just figuring out who counted and who didn't. And I would say the the basic idea that we went for was to go for guys who shooting guard is their natural position on most teams so there are some players who are playing either at the two or away from the two right now due to the surrounding players that we are including or not including in this so the the most prominent guys that we are not considering for this and this is a a star-powered group but they'll make the small forward conversation when we have that more interesting Jimmy Butler Paul George Gordon Hayward Nick Batum Andrew Wiggins Joe Ingles Jalen Brown Chris Middleton Robertson Bogdanovich and then we're counting Seth Curry as a point guard so those are all guys that spend time at the two but we're considering Considering them threes because that's their natural position
0: yeah and in the case of butler and wiggins i mean butler or wiggins whoever you want to say is actually playing the two this year so maybe it seems unfair not to rank them as a two but again i think with their size the type of players that they guard ideally that they can guard the roles they've played in the past if you put them just on an average team you think of them more as a small forward same thing with uh andre robertson and paul george i think of both of those guys as small forward and then for example on the knicks Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. are both starting together I think Lee is pretty clearly the three in that scenario based on who he's guarding but both those guys really are shooting guards they're about six five and then on the Celtics Jalen Braun and Jason Tatum I think you would say both those guys are really more natural uh, small forwards and certainly when you get to when you're talking about shooting guards and you're talking about small forwards if you can play the two uh, that gives you additional points really in the small forward rankings if that makes sense so now uh, with that aside what we're looking for here is just who would we want to be on our team for the rest of this season and the playoffs and another really interesting question here that comes up and there really are no 100% right answers is you know are you trying to be a good team for the regular season are you trying to win at the absolute highest levels in the playoffs you're just trying to win a, a playoff series I think that there are some players who are better in certain roles I think the later you get in the playoffs not having any weaknesses in some ways it becomes more important and every team needs scoring of course but some guys you know DeMar DeRozan probably falls into that category for example just aren't quite good enough to be that every down score in the playoffs the way they are in the regular season and their playoff performance really drops off or maybe they have other weaknesses defensively that can really show up so uh anything else you wanted to add in our rubric here before uh we get into talking about these players
1: two basic things one a player's plug and play ability is valuable so somebody who can kind of do what they're going to do and help a lot of different teams and then also for me somebody who can reliably create their own offense is something that i think it can be underappreciated in the league we'll see that a little bit at the top of the list and just you know the idea that you can put that guy in and they'll get buckets because while defense is important we are dealing with shooting guards i I do want to acknowledge that because especially as we get later in the list there are some guys who who i have on mine and i think part of it is because of that that generation of offense
0: so in my first year i think it is very clear no argument james harden who we haven't done this show yet we're going to do it later in the week our awards but uh he'll certainly receive extremely heavy consideration for me uh, for mvp he's been playing really at a near mvp level uh, the last four years certainly on offense so i i think he very clearly is uh the best two guard in the league and i wouldn't put anyone else in that tier
1: i wouldn't put anyone else there either and i wouldn't have put anyone else that was on the list that we removed on this group either i think that he is far and away the best of these guys and putting him on your team means that you're going to have a high level offense, and I mean we're seeing that with a lot of the they have a lot of different pieces around them I think Maury deserves credit for what they built but Harden's presence alone they missed Chris Paul for most of this year really did help them in that way and yeah he's bad defensively but you can work around that for a guy who's that special
0: that's certainly true and some might say oh well he played point guard last year that was such a big thing he, he's on Detroit number one uh he would probably not be the point guard on most teams in the league number two if you can't even think about guarding the position you're not that position and there's no way that James Harden could ever guard a point
1: guard and even when they were playing him with Eric Gordon this year Gordon was primarily plug guarding ones from what I remember
0: so my second tier I just have again one other player here and that is Clay Thompson because I think he is the guy who is really a two-way star you know I don't think he's a superstar on offense maybe not quite a superstar on defense although you know maybe he is I mean I do you think that he is the best defensive two in the league he's definitely
1: in the conversation which is surprising I'm sure there's some Avery Bradley and Danny Green fans that are that are beating something right now but I would say he's he's in the conversation I like Danny Green's ability to defend multiple positions and that's going to come up later but if somebody said Clay Thompson's the best defensive straight to I would not I would not push hard against it
0: yeah, it's, it's different strengths and weaknesses. Bradley, certainly, if you want to say, hey, I want you to just shut down this one guy on the perimeter who's probably a, a one, maybe a two, although some twos actually have a little too much size for Bradley, then he's your guy. It comes down to Thompson and Green, though, probably for me among uh, the best defensive two guards. I mean, among guys, again, who are not just like total defensive specialists, right? Like a Josh Richardson or Marcus Smart would we, get into that category, too. But if we're just talking about guys who actually you know are decent on offense... I think Clay's ability to switch is extremely underrated. He's probably the best post defender of any two guard against larger players. Green obviously is solid there too. So it would probably come down to Green and Thompson. Maybe Green is a little bit better of a help defender than Thompson is, although Thompson has improved in that area as well. So when you consider, and I think Thompson's ability to switch is such an underrated part of what Golden State is able to do defensively against the best teams. Well,
1: and the other other thing to consider here, and this is... Isn't as much a, a weight for his him defensively, is that he's able to handle that sort of a defensive workload and then still be a, a, a stronger offensive player than all these guys. And that's why he's special in this in this two-way capacity, is that he doesn't he's not the alpha and the omega for the Warriors offense and probably wouldn't be for most other teams, except for that playoff run when when Curry was out, when he was fabulous.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting point there. I mean, if you look at how he played, again, you know, what not the greatest teams, it was Houston and Portland when Curry was up but i mean he was really uh, we were talking about him as potentially you know and, and nobody really was playing that great in the beginning of that 2016 playoffs but uh as potentially the mvp through you know one and a half rounds of the playoffs um and i think also if he were on another team he would get much more of a chance to handle in pick and roll and be able to shoot threes coming off the dribble coming off pick and roll would be huge uh he's also the best cutting two guard in the league probably um it helps being on golden state with all those great passers but and helps being a great shooter because then guys overplay your shooting and you can go back door but he really is a player even he's even improved his passing a little bit this year as well i mean you don't want to say he has no weaknesses because he's not the greatest dribbler he's not the greatest passer but it, and he never ever gets to the foul line either although i think that would change too if he were more of a focus just the way golden state plays kevin durant had an interesting point about this that they don't do as much iso and so you don't get to the foul line as much it was kind of his thought there that you're you're just catching and you're opening and you just shoot it right away, the team's not really close enough to foul you on a lot of these plays. Uh, But yeah, I I think that Thompson and and also his plug and play ability as well, as you noted, I mean, he can fit in really on any team, doesn't need the ball to be successful, but could have the ball. All of that is really extremely, extremely valuable. So I, I have him a level above the rest of these two guards.
1: It's also pretty remarkable when you think about, so that kind of leads into the next group, how there is this gulf between those guys. When you think about a conference finals or beyond playoff series. I mean Clay Thompson you can plug and play him on a title hopeful and you're not going to have a problem these other guys have weaknesses they're all wonderful players but I see a pretty big divide there there's a divide between Harden and Clay. there's another divide between him and and I would say there are probably three or four guys in the next group depending on what you value and and also regular season versus playoffs
0: yeah so the next tier and I mean I wasn't doing these tiers in terms of like oh by type necessarily but it just so happened that they kind of fell into this I think of them as basically top scores on good teams and so uh, this is actually still a ranking number three Bradley Beal number four CJ McCollum and number five DeMar DeRozan
1: I ended up having the, I have the same three guys as my next three but I have them in, in a little bit of a different order just because Bradley Beal let's let's put this out right Bradley Beal was better than CJ McCollum last year I just partially because I've seen him do it in the playoffs with a different kind of role I just trust CJ more so I think you can make an argument that Beal is that Beal has been better but if I'm ranking it for myself and moving forward, I'm going to trust what I've seen more from CJ. I mean, if you think even back. I mean, you don't want to use recency bias based on the game that they played on Saturday. But I just I've seen CJ do it. I've seen him do it against good defenses throughout. And I would say Beal's better defensively, but not so much better that it makes it makes the difference. It's not a tiebreaker for me for 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 me. But it's it is certainly close.
0: Yeah, Beal has a little more heft. He could credibly switch a little bit better. I think at that little size difference at the margins it does matter in a playoff series in particular CJ is probably a better shot maker than Beale. I think Beal actually is a better finisher at the rim and a better distributor at this point point. and part of it too is just based on the fact that Beal is younger I think he's played a little bit better so far this year though CJ is continuing as we talked about in 15 and 60 last night continuing to shoot it incredibly well I mean most people would say you know where is DeMar DeRozan why is he below uh Beal and McCollum for you was he your number five or are you even lower on him than that
1: oh no he's my and and you could you have him in this group because he is a a great regular season player by and large he's had a shakier year this year which we should acknowledge but he can get his own he can get to the free throw line i also just his lack of effort defensively is a bigger concern even though he has more i would say he has more physical talent you know he has in terms of frame and everything else like that to these guys he just doesn't use it defensively he he dies more on actions he gets lost more often that's a concern here and also the fact that he He's not a reliable shooter from three and he's been shooting them more to his credit, but still not a ton that, he's I think he's easier to defend if you have the right personnel whereas like CJ is going to get I feel like CJ is going to get his now if we're dealing in the regular season where a lot of teams just don't have two guards DeRozan has more value but we're looking at the whole whole pie so at the regular season I have I could see DeRozan being fourth or even third on this list you know being above both of those guys but we're looking at the whole thing and it's who you want on your team so that's why he slides to five for me
0: yeah and I think that the lack of plug-and-play ability he certainly has been a part of this wonderful offense in toronto the last couple of years but if you think about fitting him in on some other teams and we've talked about oh you know trading him for example what would that look like and there are not that many teams that could use him because he needs the ball in his hands he can't play off the ball and he can't play defense so if he's on your team he has to be the absolute focus of your offense and if he is the focus he's not been good enough in the playoffs to be successful there
1: so one difference that we have is that i actually have a sixth guy he doesn't my tiers don't have don't have descriptors, and this is actually why part of the part of it is this. I have Danny Green above all of the other 3 and D guys in this tier, partially because of his positional versatility, and because yeah, his shooting is down a little bit this year, but I still, I guess it's trust. I still trust it a little bit more. I, I think you can make an argument that on most teams, you would even rather have Green than DeRozan in a playoff series, but that depend, depends on so much on, on other talent, and I'm not going to put him over him because that's not fair. But I think Green is better enough than than these other than the other guys in the three and D category that I actually put him in tier three
0: that's a right I would not quite agree with that yet we also need to talk about Devin Booker as well a guy's averaging almost 23 points a game has taken some steps forward so far this year certainly there are many who are not happy with the fact that we are lower on him than a lot of people seem to be so we'll address him right after this word from MeUndies Pretty easy to sell these. It's the most comfortable underwear that I have ever owned. Every year, millions of people receive the least like gift of all time. Underwear, although I, I would actually, uh, that's what the copy says. I actually would put gloves in there as well. I remember I got gloves one year when I was living in Chicago, and I was uh, that was pretty miserable. But maybe it's not the underwear that's the problem. It's the kind of underwear. MeUndies actually makes it an amazing gift because as someone who's tried it, I'm sure as a listener, you've probably tried it as well. It is, as I said, the most comfortable underwear. I've probably got about 15 pairs now, and I always use MeUndies first before any of the underwear that I used to have before i became a convert it's got this soft flexible waistband three times softer than cotton and made from natural sustainably sourced fiber the greatest compliment that i can give to it is you basically forget that you have it on it's never bunching it's never riding up you're just walking around and then at the end of the day you're like oh yeah i guess i did have underwear on so this year don't give underwear give me undies this holiday season to get your exclusive 20 percent off the softest underwear and socks that you'll ever wear. You can get free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee as well. So if you don't believe me about how comfortable they are, you've got that 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to meetundies.com slash space. That's meetundies.com slash capspace. Easy to remember because we talk about it all the time on the program. That URL, meundies.com slash capspace. Let them know that you came from us. So let's talk about Booker now, Danny. Quickly, where did you have him ranked? So the tiers get a little nebulous after this. I actually don't even sure. have
1: him in the next group and there's a there are a couple reasons why one there's a a DeRozan parallel here where he is more of a scorer than anything else people give him credit as a shooter because his form is so pretty but he's at about I think he's at 36 percent from three right now and that is good and at his volume that is good but it's not elite it's not an it's not just insane or anything like that and the big problem with Booker as with DeRozan is that he brings so little else to the table he's a decent creator for other people but not great at it he is yeah. improved horrible, this year yeah I sure yeah. he's a horrible Defender he also doesn't rebound at all so you again need him to be something very specific and very and very narrow and i give him he's so young he has the time to get a lot better than this but this is not grading out for who's going to be good three years from now that is a completely separate ranking which we might do at some point but for right now you know like a lot of the three and d guys in particular on most teams I would would rather have somebody else because if Devin Booker is your best offensive player I don't trust that your offense is going to be great it could be but you if he's your best guy then do that and so then you'd rather have somebody who's a cog in the machine
0: I will disagree with you I think that he could play more of a role he he could be a better shooter that's certainly what he did at at Kentucky and, and most importantly teams will respect him out there I mean that's one of the, the bigger components of, of this is are you getting guarded but we really have not seen him play efficiently yet this is actually I mean he's made some strides this year he's up to 55% true shooting have been below the league average this has been once again a really bad Phoenix offense that he hasn't had much talent around him but he hasn't been able to drive them to good offensive performances and then basically I mean you see what a team with him as your as your best player looks like you know there are really really bad team again without much around him i I acknowledge that so it might be possible that he could play a role uh, on a good team be more effective in a better coach system with better players around him he could be good but he just hasn't been yet i mean he has not been that much of a positive player and certainly has the potential to do a lot better i mean and he's averaging now 22 a game on league average efficiency like that's nothing to sneeze at but if you're really talking about being on a winning team at this point he is not Shown that he could be a part of playing winning basketball, and so I had him in my next tier. This is an interesting tier for me because a lot of different types of players. Now, I mean, now that you're beyond that elite scoring, right? Like, basically, to me, I had some three and D guys in this: Danny Green, uh KCP, who I think has really been very important in transforming the Lakers' defensive culture. Avery Bradley, and then I also had Eric Gordon, Devin Booker, and J.J. Redick in this tier as guys who are real good. scores maybe not as good defensively but you know other than booker are not horrible defensively either i mean reddick could be taken advantage of Gordon has been better this year, but it, it was it's very hard to compare once you get below that top five level between guys who really do a lot of different t- things and are different kinds of players.
1: The way that I thought about this next group, and again, it wasn't the plan. I was like, who's better than who? It's really where you focus on this, was it ended up being guys who have one real high level skill and then don't have a, as many clear weaknesses. So for me, right. Avery Bradley is a clear example of this. Like Avery Bradley is a wonderful man-to-man defender, probably the best guard man-to-man defender in the entire league. He is a good offensive player. He is not a spectacular offensive player. I think sometimes he thinks of himself as a more spectacular offensive player than he is, but he has been shooting the hell out of the ball for portions of the time as, as a piston, which is great. And Danny Green is largely in that same group. You know, elite defender can do what he's going to do. And then, yeah, I, I, I like you. I have Eric Gordon in this tier because Gordon is a, a, a strong offensive player. He's more capable defensively than somebody like Devin Booker, which is why I have him above him. Yeah. And Gordon, his versatility offensively is unusual you know we're seeing him run a little bit more pick and roll this year which has been wonderful to see and he you know he competes defensively and also he's so strong that I trust him in certain other matchups and he's not as explosive as he was when he was a clipper or anything like that but he does still have some juice and
0: yeah and he's looked better this year too oh yeah in terms of getting the basket his usage up 26% usage this year Uh, and the other thing I really like about him is that deep spacing it's just so valuable to be able to shoot threes from three four steps beyond the three-point line
1: right and, and you talked about the idea of respect like that opens up avenues that even Devin Booker doesn't open up because you have to defend him even further out I mean we've seen this throughout the last couple of years in the playoffs those guys like Ryan Anderson like him like Clay and Steph that can shoot those feet out defenders either concede that shot which they shouldn't or they get out there an extra step and they don't really know like the defensive principles that a lot of guys including both of us grew up on whereas you know you focus on the three-point line and so to have to do that it challenges defenses and shifts the geometry of the floor
0: yeah and then reddick i think it's still underrated how good of an offensive player he really is just to if you compare for example even him with kyle Corver, and then reddick is still you know is better defensively than korver as well just because he's not like a total traffic cone out in the perimeter um although certainly as he gets older he, he's falling off but his effect on the sixers offense i think is something that is probably not talked about enough. And he's not a guy who shoots it from super deep the way some of these guys do uh, as much. But the fact that you can run plays for, I mean, there just are not that many guys that you can run plays for coming off of screens. And he also just very, very rarely makes mistakes. So I I think I would put him up there. I mean, it's interesting to note, compare him with KCP. Reddick got one year, 23 million, and KCP got one year, 17 million. But both of those really were perhaps constrained more by the available salary cap space of their teams, the Sixers and the Lakers than maybe their exact market value KCP didn't get onto the market until as it reached once he had his qualifying offer pulled until late in the process. But anybody else you thought about bringing into this area here?
1: there's somebody I have in this tier that we haven't discussed and I actually and this is going to cause our first kind of real argument in this I have Gary Harris over KCP and the reason why I do not think Gary Harris is a superior defensive player at this point to KCP the difference is that I trust his jump shot a lot more and Caldwell Pope has his moments I mean I remember even going back to when he was in college and just killing SEC teams that Caldwell Pope has some abilities to score but I just trust Harris there more he's been a more effective shooter to his career he does have especially last year when KCP was on that piston team that just had all sorts of problems harris has had more conducive surrounding talent the last couple of years but i think he has a better sense of what he is on that end and that the, the to me the offensive margin is bigger than the defensive margin it's a close call for me and so i not only have yeah so i not only have him in this group i have him above it so my tier is a little bit in a different order i'm not focusing on that as much just once we got out of the top group and then the other big difference actually let's well, talk here, about that no, yeah, talk yeah, about the yeah other
0: let, let, let's talk about that yeah because harris you know i would have him near the top of the second group but I feel differently from you I would say that the defensive difference is much bigger than the offensive difference I think and it's hard to say because how much Harris is a creature of that Denver system and he certainly works extremely well off of Jokic he's been making open threes he's a solid cutter doesn't really do much else offensively I think that KCP he has the ability to work and pick and roll a little bit more than what we've seen from Harris Harris has almost no pull-up game whatsoever he's not asked to do that I think that KCP while he's not as reliable of a shooter he's taking harder attempts he's coming off of screens more he's getting rise on his jump shot but then I really think that there's other than the fact that he had a good defensive reputation coming out of college and the fact that he looks like he's trying hard out there we have no real evidence that Harris is an above average defensive player and KCP to me is is one of the best in the league so that is a huge difference as far as I'm concerned and I especially think if you put I mean look at the offense that KCP has had to play on in his career. He's been asked to do a little bit more than he really should. In this Lakers offense is near the bottom of the league. The Pistons generally have been a bottom half of the league offense. And he deserves some culpability for that. But I think if you put Harris in the situations that he's been in, I don't know that he could perform necessarily as well as KCP did. And then Harris is a little bit more undersized. KCP offers a lot uh, from a steals perspective as well. Much better versatility guarding ones and twos. I don't think that Harris really is a plus asset guarding ones either. And he's a little undersized at the two. So that's why I like KCP a little bit better than Harris. But, you know it's, if you look at the contract that they got and, and part of that is just because he got the extension in denver and, and i think kcp i don't know exactly how much he was offered an extension but probably around the same as what harris got that would be an interesting question around the league i think that the league probably thinks that harris is better than kcp and they're on your side i don't agree with them however
1: i'm thinking more about the defensive difference i i f- because you're right that and KCP has had to prove it in a lot of different ways, and he's also been a part of some more successful defenses than Harris has, which is which is an important factor. And I mean, yeah, that depends a lot on centers and other things. Yeah, Maybe, and
0: we're really splitting hairs, or even yeah, exactly. between like, this tier but, but for, and, and the next tier, right? I mean, right, there are guys and, in this next tier who, if they play as well uh as they played this year, they move up, you know. And Danny Green, if he keeps shooting, you know, fifty-one percent true shooting, he probably moves down a little bit, you know. I, I just screwed with you that that he. He's quite as good as you had him in that tier with Beal McCollum and DeRozan, by the way. Uh, And Greg Popovich probably would disagree too because he only plays in 28 minutes a game. Uh, But yeah, even with Kawhi out. But no, I mean, we're really splitting hairs. And a lot of this too is, you know, how real is what we've seen from some of these guys both for good and bad in this 20 game sample this season?
1: Yeah, so it it, it is really complicated. And and you're getting also into players that the, the severity, oftentimes in this level, the severity of the strengths is actually what dissipates rather than the you know the versatility and the weaknesses so like uh, to me in the in the next group what you're looking at is victor oladipo i think is definitely there i'm a little higher on rodney hood than you are just well, because about i
0: about oladipo too because sure. he would have been before this year he would have been a lot lower and then yes what he's been oh, yeah. doing this year has been really good you know he's averaging over 20 a game 57 true shooting still not really the defensive player that he was drafted to be i think it, most you would have to say he's probably average at best defensively um, based on the record that we've seen so far, both statistically and the fact that he really isn't trusted to guard some of the best players on the other team. But a lot of what he's doing so far is, you know, 45% three-point shooting. And if that regresses, you know, he's kind of back towards the player that he's been these last few years. Maybe in Orlando, the, the year last year in OKC was so weird just because Westbrook had, you know, 40% usage.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting just to kind of at some point later in this year i want to compare his different the different cycles here i remember early in the year his profile looks more similar to what he was doing in orlando he's just being more efficient and effective and it is disappointing with him and i think part of what oladipo's reputation is is kind of built on is this idea that he had a he was a different guy when he was drafted than he is now and he kind of gets some of that holdover but he is still a good player and if he can keep this up then he's at least in the next year up and who knows maybe he could even move beyond that but we have to actually see it and when especially when a player makes a big jump. You, w- you want more of a sample to really prove it. And this Indiana team yeah. has a lot of things that might be unsustainable.
0: But Here's an interesting stat on Oladipo, by the way. He already has two-thirds as many free-throw attempts this year as he had all of last year. He has 103 wow. free-throw attempts this year. He only had 154 last year.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. And that's a, an important part of building a s- sustainable offense <laughs> with him in it. And and so really, another point broadly to make about this group as we're getting into it is really what these guys are. Is now we're kind of out of the you put them in and you feel you feel good about what you're doing. Maybe this is you plug them in and you feel fine, like you feel okay. Maybe you're looking for somebody a little bit better, but you're still happy compared to, I mean, we're, we're right around like 12th or 13th in the league right now. So this is two thirds of the league is still below this, even though some teams are playing guys at other positions
0: yeah and these guys are also bunched together too and it's also a flavor of what you're looking for right like jr smith who has been horrendous shooting the ball this year he's getting into his early 30s now is he gonna just fall off rodney hood is is averaging 20 points a game but he's coming off the bench and his health is always a question mark tyreek evans actually has the second best pr among all shooting guards beyond behind heart uh and so I, I thought of this next tier really as guys who could be a starter Level of player in general, but again, you know, not everyone even fits into that. Um, but a guy that you feel like, hey, we could play this guy for thirty to thirty-five minutes, and we're gonna feel solid about his contribution, right? So I, I would leave a guy, guys like D Wade, Lou Williams, or then the one-way guys on the other side, like Josh Richardson or Marcus Smart. I would have them below this tier just because they're not really like rock-solid guys where you can just plug them in; they'll fit on this team. They'll be give you some solid. Contribution. Contributions. Um, I mean, Evans doesn't really fit into that category because he's just been so good offensively so far this year. Uh, but some of the other guys I had in this year is Wes Matthews, uh, Evan Fournier, Courtney Lee, who's actually quietly shot the ball extremely well uh, this year. Uh, Kent Bazemore, who's playing a little bit better. But you're really getting into eye of the beholder at this point. I mean, you could 15 through 30 has probably less separation than, you know, 6 through 10 does here because you, you have guys who are below this list that you could easily put in it but you also have guys who could potentially move up into the next tier if they sustain what they're doing or they stay healthy
1: And somebody i think we should talk about especially because he got paid a bunch of money this offseason is Dion waiters waiters is certainly a talent and he has he has a penchant you know the, the clutch moments and defensively he can be underrated just because he's so strong so in certain systems including miami's he can do a very good job the fundamental problem for me with him and he is in this tier for me but he's not above this tier for me is that He's just not that effective an offensive player. His, you know, he he's below average in terms of effect true shooting. He's at like I think he so this year he's at at four forty nine percent. About last year, you know, had a had a year we all we praised him for everything. I think he was at fifty two percent last year. So he is yeah, and a and that was with
0: player. hitting way more jumpers than and he's getting gonna to, hit to the line
1: year. a ton more than he is right now. And I think that's one right. way he can improve this year. So waiters, I think that's why he's firmly in this group. Some will have him towards the top of this group and. I'm I'm probably okay with that. I have him, you know, vaguely towards the top of this group. But again, it's it's putting hairs. And
0: yeah, I I have him pretty low in in it, for example. Then how do you compare him to like Tony Snell, who has like below 15 percent usage, but 69 percent true shooting and is a solid but not, you know, great defensive player? Etuan Moore who's kind of a similar profile to him. Uh, It's really gets very difficult. A lot of it becomes at that level fit. And I think once you get into that level, you know, Fournay is another one of these guys. I mean, if you're really paying like big money for those type of guys, I think that's maybe where you kind of get into trouble where you could say, OK, you know, we've got this guy. But and we could throw throw this guy in and he's a starter level of player. But, you know, we're talking about guys now who are between the like 12th and 25th best shooting guard in the NBA. Do you really want to be paying over 15 million a year for that kind of a player you know I think it's more it's better if you can to be paying you know Tony Snell type of money for that type of type of guy where you're not just like oh man this guy is just like an awesome starter but you know I mean the the landscape has changed for sure I mean Evan Fournier were saying hey that was a great contract to get him for five years 85 million at the time well
1: and with Fournier I think the hope was that he would be in that what was your tier four at, at minimum you know that he would be in that group where he's above above the separation you put him in you feel good about it and he just hasn't been quite that level so far you know still could get back there but i the one difference for me here is i have some of those defense first guys in this group just because especially the ones like marcus smart who is just so versatile defensively that you could just throw him on different guys i i do really like that his offensive limitations are horrifying but if we're 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 putting guys like tony snell in here the fact that smart is better defensively than those guys makes a difference for me but it's close you know we're splitting this tier and the next tier is is really and but one thing you talked about the money so i'm looking a little bit at my own than yours, but the, it's it's pretty similar here. Is that you have these real stratifications in terms of money? So Courtney Lee's getting, I think he's getting about twelve, and and then Jr. is in that kind of mid tier. But then you have Evan Fournier, who's making seventeen million a year. Wes Matthews is up there too, and then a bunch of guys also that got the Josh Richardson contract. I mean, you can talk about Josh Richardson. Norman Powell is in that conversation. Jonathan yeah. Simmons' money, uh, although is worth noting, similar.
0: however, that that those contracts don't actually start until next year, so you Correct. can forecast in a year of. Pre- for those sure.
1: guys yeah By and those guys are young enough starts. that you would expect them to be better next year than this year and so, so you have that difference and why marcus smart and i have will barton in this tier other people might not i just like that he can create i enjoy that and you know defensively he's no great shakes but a lot of these yeah. guys aren't and so if you are the agent or that player and if you hear this and go like look at that the, the players that are on richer contracts got them in way more cash open markets and the guys who got less money are in this same group and so you're kind of saying they're going well crap that maybe that's how you should recalibrate your expectations, and then remember that this year there's going to be even less money and even fewer teams that are interested. So that's a concern for Marcus Smart. That's a concern for Will Barton, and that's to a to a lesser degree that's a concern for Tyreek. But he's kind of his own thing because he's older than those guys, and his track record is so different.
0: Yeah, and at some point I think you have to just default to what the league thinks and what coaches think about some of these guys too, right? Like you could say, hey, Lou Williams, for example, is better by the advanced stats. Yeah, you can't. Can't defend anyone he's not really a one so we're kind of lumping him in here as a two but he can work with the ball in his hands but he's never really been a starter in his career and the reason for that is he has too many limitations defensively too many weaknesses if you're throwing him out there for big minutes not a guy who is going to score against the best defense necessarily but can really take advantage of second units a lot and so yeah that guy he's much more elite than someone like a snell right but snell is making more money than lou williams and so or, or Kent Bazemore or something like that. Just having a guy who's solid enough on either end, who's not just going to kill you in some certain area. I, I think because the league values that more. I think I, I defaulted to that to saying, hey, you know, or, or like Kyle Corver is kind of more like a, a bench guy these days. So Wade is in the same category, though he's actually not even scoring efficiently this year either. You know, he's below fifty percent true shooting, and obviously his defense is bad. So he he would be off the list to me at this point at least as far as this tier and so you know i think we've kind of got top 25-ish here in the names that we've mentioned, and then, you know, if you want to know why your person's not on the list, that's, those are probably the reasons. One guy we haven't discussed yet is Donovan Mitchell. Where does he fit into this for you?
1: I still need to see more from him as a, you know, like, I mean, he's, he's just not efficient enough offensively at this point. I love his defense, and I think that he could certainly be this tier or even better than that long-term. I, I am a believer in his potential, but right now, he isn't at that level, and, you know, he's averaging a little less than 15 points a game.
0: But yeah, well, well, and he's also just an Actively damaging offensive player. I mean, I know right. Utah doesn't have a lot of creation. He's shown some nice ability to pass the ball. We mentioned in the 15 and 60s, averaging over four assists, which is certainly more than I would have thought he would be at at this point in his career. But I think he is really right now with how high his usage is and how low his efficiency is. I mean, you can't look at him as a plus offensive player. Uh, Anything else you wanted to say on this? I mean, I think we probably maybe power forwards will be the other one that we're going to struggle with. I think uh, ones, threes and fives are probably kind of easier. They're more similar. You have guys who can do more and they'll be at the top. And then you have guys who are okay two way players. And then you have guys who just are one way guys at those positions. But there's just so much diversity uh, among two guards, even with the guys that we ruled out uh, that I found this extremely difficult.
1: And one thing that I'm going to enjoy watching this year is to see and maybe we'll even do this podcast towards the end of the year what guys can jump into the levels that we went through so far and they're you know jeremy lamb has had a really nice year if he could prove it more i think he could move into this he's been been really nice this year you and i both love tyler johnson but he just hasn't done it enough and i i still yeah. i still worry Shooting about his extremely
0: jump poorly this year johnson right is. so
1: and, and like tim hardway jr got paid like a tier three guy so i mean i i considered him but he hasn't and he's been fine this year but i think he's been a little- little bit overrated in that way and then you know which are the young guys buddy healed malik monk even you know some of the role and i so i'm excited to see where this goes we talked about donovan mitchell he's another guy that's in that and so who who really establishes themselves and i think that the general structure of this bottom group is going to stay the same but there will be some guys that can jump in and some guys that maybe will fall out
0: yeah oladipo is the guy i'm watching most closely i think if he can sustain this which again a lot of that built on 45 percent three-point shooting so i don't anticipate that but if he can Sustain this, you know, he could really move up uh, quite a bit here and actually maybe worth that $20 million per season contract. All right, we got some news to get to here, but first, this from Indochino. My Indochino suits are my favorite suits because they are so much better than a generic off the rack suit. I'm about 6'6", and I've got pretty big shoulders, but not the biggest chest or waist. And so to find an off-the-rack suit that would fit me in the shoulders, that wouldn't be extremely constricting. I mean, you know what that's like when you have a suit that doesn't fit right in your shoulders, and you're just, like, trying to move around, and you're worried, like, oh, if I raise my arms up, am I going to, like, rip the seams on this thing? Like, that's just the worst feeling. And so if I got a suit that was big enough in the shoulders, then it was, like, a tent on me. And they would try to tailor it. And, oh, by the way, that would take, like, three or four weeks sometimes, tailoring the suit after you already got it off the rack that seems like pretty ridiculous and so by the time I was done it still didn't fit right it cost me like a thousand bucks I had to pay like a hundred bucks to get it tailored or whatever and it took me weeks to get it anyway even though it was in theory off the rack so Indochino their stuff will arrive in just a few weeks you can either measure yourself and send in your measurements they have a tutorial on their site or go into one of their North American showrooms either place the cap space code will work I actually got tweeted by someone asking whether the code would work in their stores absolutely it does and right now they're having their best sale ever just $329 is what their made to measure suits start at plus shipping is free you can customize everything you pick your fabric put a monogram on the size of the lapels you can customize the lining they have some really cool lining options as well and it gets there in just a few weeks, really not much longer than it would take to get something tailored, if longer at all, to, it would take to get something tailored at a department store. So when do you get started with them again? Either go into one of their showrooms or go to Indochino.com. Just remember that familiar cap space code and you can get any made to measure suit from just $329 with free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a suit that's going to fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Indochino.com, promo code, cap space. Let them know that you came from us all right we got a lot of news that has piled up here only got uh, about 20 minutes left here so but maybe we can uh, plow through all this let's start with john wall
1: yeah i mean john wall he was there was some issues in terms of knee soreness and on friday he had an mri ended up getting a prp injection along with a visco supplementation injection to reduce that inflammation in his left knee he's expected to miss about two weeks they nearly got that win against the blazers that we talked a little bit about last night but they ended up losing and so we'll, we'll see what they can do with tim Frazier in his stead but this is going to be a, a stretch for Washington as they're I, I mean I think they're still firmly a playoff team as long as he comes back in a reasonable period of time but seating will matter for them
0: yeah, well, and I think th- with them trying to join that group with Toronto, Boston, and Cleveland, who quietly is playing much better of late as their defense has really improved, this is a blow to that. And of course, they are extremely dependent on wall. They've got Tim Frazier. Maybe they'll unearth uh, Thomas Sadoransky, who I still think actually could play. I think he, he hasn't gotten enough of a shot. They actually have been pretty good when he's played, even though it looks ugly with him out there because he's not really a shooter. But it'll be very interesting to monitor whether they just completely fall apart here DeLon Wright is expected to miss about a month. Woj tweeting with uh, his dislocated shoulder, but does not need surgery. That is the good thing. Going to be able to rehab it, it sounds like. Uh, in other news with the Clippers, Woj noting in his piece on Patrick Beverly that he is not expected back before Christmas. Tay Dosich is not back. Who did I say? I,
1: I didn't. I, I just want to make sure we were talking about Tay because it was. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Did I just do that thing where I use a pronoun and don't actually say the guy's name? I believe so. Yeah. People have complained about that on twitter actually we got to do a better job we will do a better job i'm really more of a pronoun guy i'm like in conversations i always find it weird when like someone uses my name because it's like it's like you're you're always like telling me bad news if you use my name
1: (laughs) going back to the old parent thing when they use your whole name
0: yeah or like a a girl breaking up with you that's like (laughs) those would be like the two times uh, but anyway, uh, that is not what's going on here. So, yes, uh, Milos Teodosic, not expected back until Christmas with the, that plantar fascia issue. And then also, it sounds like Gallo not necessarily going to be back within the next week. Doc Rivers saying, hey, we really want to to get him right. Uh, that strained glute now will have kept him out uh, over three weeks, it sounds like, uh, by whenever, in fact, he can return. Uh, we also been hearing that Derrick Rose potentially considering uh, retirement as his frustration with his myriad injuries grows.
1: And it's on- unfortunate, I mean, for any player to, especially, I mean, I, I guess it's hard to say especially because it's true with any player who who delivered so recently with him with, the, you know, that MVP season. But something that I've wondered about for a long time, and I think back to what Kobe Bryant used to say about the idea that it took so much work to get back to where you were, and then in, in a case like Rose, it looks very unlikely that it ever would, and some guys just don't want to do that, and I understand that. I totally do. And uh, Nick DiPaolo wrote a piece about the Adidas money that is on the table. I'm a little bit more skeptical of that because even even if he's considering retirement, he probably won't file paperwork with the league, and so there could be a fun contractual dispute with Adidas there. Whether Adidas wants the the visuals of trying to get money back from a guy is an open question. But Cleveland needs point cards. You know, Isaiah's still not back jose calderon is far from being an answer here and so if rose even if you know even if he's imperfect playing him 15 20 minutes a game for the time being would provide some real value for the caps
0: yeah and, and that contract thing is interesting because Adidas is actually still contractually obligated to make a signature shoe for rose uh, every year they're up to like the d rose like eight now or something like that um so it, hard to imagine that he would walk away from the 80 million perhaps if he does want to retire uh, Adidas would accept some sort of a buyout or arrangement there uh, also in Cavs news they are hopeful that Isaiah Thomas can return at some point in December that'd be nice if he gets back at least before that Christmas game he's been ramping up his activity did some light contact work in the last few days first time we, we've heard of that happening and then uh, Iman Shumpert was out with knee soreness for about a week he is going to return uh, tonight Monday as we record this during the day
1: Larry Nance is also expected to come back today against the Clippers it will be fast Fascinating to see how luke walton handles that because nance was not the offensive dynamo that kyle kuzma has been but i think their defense was better when he was out there even though the lakers have been you know slowly figuring it out on that end and so how they manage the two of those guys and who fits better with who is going to be important and you know it's good for the lakers to have more talent nance has been fun to watch and he's gotten so much better defensively that's been encouraging
0: yeah i mean i think i probably would just roll with kuzma offense was the problem for this team not the defense right now uh, although it, the question of whether you know and it's really with ball out there who can't shoot at all then you throw nance out there brooke lopez too i mean they, they just need more scoring punch you know ingram is not there yet from an offensive standpoint they just need more scoring punch uh, in that first unit i think and kuzma has been so good that it seems like there's really no reason to, to demote him at this point and, and nance well he's a nice player i mean he's i don't think he's really a starting level of player in the league i think he's someone who can help you but just isn't quite good enough a uh, offensively yet, uh, but we'll see what ends up happening there. It would be very Luke Walton to uh, continue to start Nance. Uh, what else we got here?
1: It looks like Ben Simmons is going to be able to play on Monday against the Cavs, a game that I'm really excited about because it'll be his first game against LeBron James. The expectation is that he's going to play, but he did miss their game on Saturday against the Magic, which they ended up winning going away. Eventually it was close. It was close early on, but then they ended up winning. And Rondé Hollis Jefferson is out with an ankle issue and Alan Crabb also didn't play due to a back issue against against the Rockets so we kind of want to keep an eye on that and you know I don't think we expect the Nets to be a playoff team but those guys make them better.
0: In Detroit John Luehr received a second MRI we don't really know the results of of that yet but it doesn't sound like he's close to me he was basically running on a treadmill uh, but that ankle sprain has really continued to bedevil him. Uh, Nikola Batum suffered an aggravation and ulnar nerve contusion uh, of that elbow but it's not believed to be serious with him. Uh, in Atlanta, Luke Babbitt has now missed three straight with the that back issue. They continue to be destroyed by injuries in the front court. Mike Muscala has missed a ton of time with this ankle injury. It doesn't sound like he's it, Ready to come back yet? uh What's going on uh, in San Antonio these days?
1: Tony Parker will play on Monday, which is exciting. And the hope is that there there was something about like that he expects Kawhi Leonard to be back. I have no idea if he is particularly insightful there, but still absolutely exciting to see to see Tony Parker back on the floor and what Pop wants to do with their point guard rotation because Dejounte Murray hasn't been amazing, but he's done a decent enough job. And then of course Patty Mills is Patty Mills.
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't expect the Parker is going to play that many minutes. No, nope. for Kawhi, I mean there was a report out of San Antonio that this injury is kind of frustrated San Antonio not to indicate that Kawhi like hasn't been rehabbing well enough it's just they don't understand why it hasn't responded and Parker his statement was based on the fact that he kind of been rehabbing with Kawhi and he thought that he was maybe two to three weeks away but uh, that is uh I'm not a doctor and Tony Parker certainly isn't either in Dallas Seth Curry still week to week he's going to be out at least until December he's only been doing some light on court work these past couple of weeks and then Wilson Chandler, we noted this on the 15 and 60. This would be something to monitor where he missed that game against the Kings. Will Barton went off. He felt like he had to come back. He's got this contract issue, but he's been playing extremely poorly. All year and now he's questionable again with this back issue so it seems clear that this is going to be something that's going to go on for a long time and they are going to have to manage it game to game he might have to miss games if it's not really working but it seems unlikely that he's going to take significant time off that he probably needs at this point to get this thing right
1: yeah it's, it's definitely a concern and going and, and, his... and also
0: for for chandler too i mean sure when he's got he's had these hip issues or he's had these i think i'm not sure there's one hip or both hip in his in his career but but, you know that certainly when you have tight hips and glutes, that really can cause uh, lower back issues as well. All right, so please continue.
1: Jumping to Wilson Chandler's former team, the New York Knicks, they've actually been dealing with back issues related to both of their starting big men. Ennis Kanter had back spasms. He felt guilty. He actually, talked about this about missing their game two two games ago. The one that they almost the one they almost won. Not the game that that Kristaps Porzingis missed due to back tightness against the Rockets when they got housed a little bit more, despite Michael Beasley's best efforts. And the Knicks need those guys. I mean, again, it's kind of you know, I, I'm not I'm still not a believer in them as really like a playoff team right there. But those Kanter and and Porzingis are an important part of their best shot.
0: Tonight's game against the Kings for the Warriors got a little more interesting. KD will still be out with the ankle. We haven't discussed this really. Uh, Kurz said that he shouldn't have played him against OKC. In retrospect, he did not look right necessarily in that game. But obviously, he really wanted to play in OKC, and they got waxed. And so KD has missed the last two. And then. Steph Curry, uh, has a hand contusion, doesn't sound serious, but he will not play against the Kings as well. And then Andre Iguodala, uh, he was probable with a sore left knee, played extremely well against the Pelicans on Saturday. I think they figure they could just beat the Kings uh, no matter what here. Uh, so he's not doubtful with the sore left knee and Andre kind of acknowledged like, hey, he can go out there. He can play, uh, when he needs to, he's, he's been in the league a long time, but we'll see whether he is going to start getting a lot more rest, uh. Kerr said in fact that he's going to look for some opportunities to rest him after he played a season high in minutes against the Pels on Saturday so maybe this game will be interesting we'll see whether it's close or not we'll be at that tonight
1: and also the Warriors are looking down the barrel of a two-week road trip so I think they're going to be judicious about how they're approaching all these guys and you know if they don't know how long Durant's going to be out you want to be cautious and and give Iguodala in particular rest when you can if they feel like they can beat the Kings anyway and they should be able to feel that and it's not like Sacramento has two has small forwards anyway so it's not that big. A deal in that way. Also, Nene is not going to play against the Nets. He has a strained right shoulder. One of those players, kind of like Porzingis, who it just seems like there's always some, there's something there. He can play well despite some of it, but that's a little bit of concern. And I'm worried about Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac, somebody who you and I both really, really liked into the draft. He's missed eight straight games and he's been pretty good when he's been on the floor. He just hasn't been on the floor enough.
0: Yeah, that, of course, with a sprained ankle. And I think that's been an underrated factor in the Magic struggles to where now with their second unit, they are playing Spates and Biombo together. He actually was needed as a guy who could play the four off the bench for them. Uh, so yeah, he's going to miss tonight's uh, contest. Regression Bowl 2 uh, against the Pacers. Uh, and then Mirza Teletovic had missed a few games in a row. He was supposed to try to ramp up his activity in the middle of the last week, was unable to do so. And now, in fact, will have surgery to repair the cartilage in his left knee. Uh, repair is probably not accurate there, Uh, because a actual meniscus repair would he would be out for the year, probably Uh, probably more of a small meniscus trim. Uh, But yeah, four weeks, you know, I'm always skeptical that anybody who has knee surgery is going to be on a a timeline, especially, you know, a 31, 32 year old guy who is not exactly the most athletic dude. Uh, So they're going to miss him. I mean, they've had to play Gary Payton. They started him the other night. I don't know if they had to play him, but they have been. Uh, And then they came back with snell to start the second half of that game against utah they got destroyed gave up a a ton of threes to utah in that game and then uh their spacing on offense has been ugly so not really liking the vibes around the bucks right now
1: speaking of not liking the vibes i think so yes i set you up
0: perfectly for this one (laughs)
1: Nikola Nikola is getting close to return he's recovering from his facial fractures and the concussion which that's the good the good news he's still not speaking to Bobby Portis and has not retracted his trade demand the Bulls have not acted on it that is the not good news
0: and because Mirotic was signed with full bird rights he cannot be traded until January 15th most free agents who are signed uh, can be traded as of December 15th but uh, Blake Griffin falls in this category as well of Guys who are signed with bird rights january 15th is the first day that they could be traded the bulls by the way we could close on this i their offensive rating is about three points per 100 possessions below the 29th ranked kings and the kings are three points per 100 below the 28th ranked lakers (laughs) so like that's pretty incredible and the bulls are really reaching levels of offensive futility that we've only seen from the sixers in these last few years now and those are obviously some very tanktastic teams as in fact the bulls are this season All right, i think we're done here uh that'll wrap things up for today we'll be back for tomorrow probably try to do uh, a game or tomorrow so stay tuned for that we've got to our nba show on wednesday those games are on nba tv but uh, national games nonetheless should be some fun ones washington and philly and, and there's a lakers game as well it'll be fun to do a live game with lonzo ball I'll give our thoughts on him Follow me on Twitter at Nate Duncan MBA. I haven't been reminding you to do that. Danny is at Danny LaRue. And an iTunes review is also quite appreciated, as is a purchase of some DuckTown merchandise. You can find that under the Merchandise tab at the top of my website, NateDuncanNBA.com. Talk to you all next time.